Hello, and welcome to Tough as Nails, a podcast centered on the strengths all women possess and using that power to live a fulfilling and rewarding life. My name is Julie Bueno. And I'm Beth Bird. I'm Corey Masters. And today we have a very special guest, someone that I love listening to and love learning from. His name is Michael Landers. He is the founder and owner of a company called Culture Crossing. And they are fantastic. They help people understand different cultures and different people and learn from them. Um, so I think it's very, very special that we have him as our first male guest in the podcast. And I'm just super excited that you get to hear from him more. Yeah, what a great time to have a male guest in Michael. It was like listening back. It was just such a impactful conversation and meaningful conversation that I feel like needs to be had more than it than it probably is currently being held absolutely and all i was gonna say all the the advice and the tips that he gives are just so easy to apply to our daily life too Mm -hmm. um and i i just love that it's not like he's telling you to go out and travel the world to meet other people and learn from them it's easy things that we can do every day uh with more empathy and more love for each other so i just love that about his message I just thought it was crazy that you both speak so many of the same languages. I mean, it's so unusual, Corey. <laughs> Which languages do you speak? Oh, I, that's one of the things that that drew me to him when I heard him speak. When he was on stage and he was like, well, I grew up in South America. And I was like, okay, check. And then he was like, then I moved to Japan. And I was like, oh, check. And then <laughs> the U.S. too. I don't speak Japanese, but I do speak Italian and Spanish. So in English, a little bit. Very impressive. <laughs> yeah, it was such a great conversation. Yeah, I think he speaks Portuguese and Japanese too, which I don't know how you can jump from Japanese to a Romance language like Spanish or Italian or anything like that. They're so different. Um, I think that's one of my long-term goals to end up speaking Japanese because I, I love their culture. It's so fun. <laughs> Do your kids speak Spanish, Corey? Have you been teaching them? They do. My mom would say they don't enough, <laughs> of course. Um, that's, my parents are visiting from Argentina for people that are listening. And we are trying every day to at least do two Spanish words, something different. Um, we watch the original Disney movies that I grew up with in Spanish because oh. I cannot stand them in English. <laughs> <laughs> And like any new ones that came after my childhood were watching in English. So it's kind of funny. We watch Mulan in Spanish and Aladdin and my husband's like, no, this is terrible. (laughs) And I'm like, they have to learn, man. They have to learn. Uh, So I'm hoping by listening to me and my parents only speaking in Spanish all day long, they'll pick it up much faster than they would with school or friends or just me because it's really hard to speak to them in Spanish when I know my husband may not understand what I'm saying Mm, to mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, So having someone else that speaks the language and understands it here at home with me makes it makes a huge difference. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. What a great opportunity for them. I know. And and something we talk about with my parents is not just the language is the the culture that comes with it. It's a different type of sense of humor, a different type of conversations that you have. I don't know how to explain it, but when you come from a different country or maybe even from a different state in the U.S., 
and you get to know people, you realize that you relate to them differently than you would. Like things I say to my American friends, my Argentinian friends may not find it as funny and the other way around. Um, so it's so interesting. And I definitely want my little ones to have an understanding of what people in my country find funny and that they can relate to my cousins and my grandparents when we go back eventually to visit. So it's a huge, huge deal for sure. I love that. Yes. And right before we started recording, Julie was mentioning a, a training that, that you did, right? That reminded you some of the things we spoke with Michael about, right? Yeah. So one of the things that Michael shared with you all was that oftentimes we tell a story to ourselves about what people say and what they do and why they do it. And we don't really know the intent behind it unless we ask. Um, I'm a certified trainer for a a class called Crucial Conversations. And that's one of the main points of that course and of that teaching is that we might think somebody's mad at us. We might think somebody is disappointed at us, but that's most of the time a story that we tell unless we come out and directly ask them. Mm-hmm. And it really only benefits you if you're asking them with a good intent. Mm-hmm. Um, you want You don't want to be manipulative in asking. You don't want to be asking to prove that you're right. You need to to be asking to make sure that you understand them and they understand you before you can move on. And that's one of the things that Michael touched on, um, which I think is a skill that you can incorporate into your everyday life, personal and professional. Absolutely. It's so hard, though. It's hard. And, you know, I think <laughs> it is hard. hard by email. I found, and I don't know if it's my personality or what, but I am most often misunderstood or other people misunderstand me when it's a conversation through email. So I've learned so often now, I'll just send somebody a message and say, hey, are you free to jump on a quick video call? We use Teams in our office because somehow when they can see my face and hear the emotion and we can have an actual conversation about it, like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, Where the emails just sometimes come across the wrong way and the wrong intentions and motives are assumed by me or by others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ab- absolutely. One of the things in the class that I that I stress about that is if it is like written communication, and this is one of the main points, is that you just state it. It's not my intent to call you out. It's not my intent to make you feel bad. I just want to know, you know, can you help me understand or is that okay with you? But then also picking up the phone, hearing their voice, or if you can see them in person or on a video call makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It humanizes the conversation. That was something we learned from um, Steve. I won't say his last name right. Fascinelli, maybe from Bomb Mom in a training that we went to. And he was talking about using video and just how much emotion is lost in a text or an email. And um, I I think that's one of the things I love about meeting people from different cultures and backgrounds is even how different our facial expressions can be in the way we communicate and just how much richer the conversation is when you can look somebody in the eyes and, and get to understand how they communicate in ways that maybe are different than the ways that you do. Yeah, well, I hope you enjoy it. We will definitely put all his information in the show notes. And if you have any questions, don't forget, we have an email address um, that we'll put in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for listening. And we hope you enjoy it just as much as we did.
Well, today we have Michael Landers here with us. He's the owner of Cultural Crossing. Is that right? Did I say that right, Michael? Culture Crossing. Culture, Culture Crossing. Crossing. Perfect. I um, met Michael years ago at a convention in California, and I just fell in love with his message. And he described Argentinian people the right way. And myself being Argentinian, I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. So I have uh, been obsessed with him for years, been following him in social media, stalked him and got in touch with him. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to have him here as a guest in our podcast. Um, so we wanted to learn a little bit more about his incredible life and how he got to be the person that he is today. So thank you so much for joining us, Michael, today. Hey, Corin Beth, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how you started learning about different people and what took you to where you are today. Yeah, um, definitely happy to. And, and I'd say one thing that's interesting that I find is sometimes we come to the place of our purpose of, in life at different times, right? Sometimes our backgrounds and the way we grew up might form kind of you know, why we do what we do other times that it really doesn't do much to it. Right. So I don't think there's a right or a wrong. Um, and also sometimes trying to figure out when that is like, when will I find my purpose? Right. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure. There seems like so much pressure to find that. And I think sometimes it's good to just take space and look into it. And I'll just share kind of how I found mine and how I still look for it. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes people find it and like, that's it. I'm doing this forever. <laughs> And, and that's good. And it's amazing. And some people don't, and that's okay too. Right. But I'm just kind of always seeking it. So personally, um, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. And when I was three years old, we moved to um, Bogota, Colombia in South America. And I grew up in Colombia from the time I was three years old, basically to the time I was 15. And I'd come back to Boston every summer um, where my family's from and my parents are from. And then uh, we moved to Brazil for two years. And then we moved again to Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic and the Caribbean. So that allowed me to go to three high schools in four years in three mm -hmm. different countries, which I probably wouldn't do again if I had the choice, but it was definitely a learning experience. Um, I'll just continue on real quick just to show, share kind of where else, where else uh, I went and then where it led me to. So I went to university in Miami, and then two weeks after graduation, I moved to Japan. And I lived in Japan for many years um, and then came back to the United States and I got a master's degree in cross-cultural relations, which isn't a field that I had thought about or even knew about, honestly, at the time. Um, and when I found that out, I was like, oh, my goodness, you can have a you can study how to help people adapt <laughs> to different countries, you know, because I've been doing that my whole life. And I was like, what a great thing. Nobody helped me, but can I help other people? Yeah. And so I thought that was really interesting. And, and I went to school for that. And then right after graduating, I started to work in international human resources. And then years later i opened my own company and i've been the founder of my own company culture crossing which is a kind of a strategic global consultancy for the last um 15 years based out of california and we really uh, have been privileged to work with a lot of top tier brands of the world your apples and your googles and airbnbs and ubers and then a lot in the home building industry um over the years too your your Lenars and your TriPoints and companies that don't exist anymore that people might know <laughs> of, like Ryland and Standard Pacific and Cal Atlantic and Meritage and Kehavnanian and, and all of lists and all these other names. And um, back to the purpose, 
I'm still doing kind of what I did growing up mm. and growing up the way I did, I, I had to be a translator and interpreter of experiences. When I came back from South America to Boston, my friends were like, how do you go to school? Do you <laughs> swing on vines? Oh like, I'm like, no, we have buses, <laughs> right? Um, and I had to do that and then back and forth, like when I'd come back to Colombia, I would share with my Colombian friends what was, what, what was trending in the United States, if you will. Mm -hmm. And going from country to country, a couple of skills uh, were developed by, by force almost, which was tolerance for ambiguity, which is the ability to recognize and understand the way you do things and then the way other people might do the same things differently. And the more tolerance you have for ambiguity, the easier it was for me to adapt, right? So all the things that I learned was in service of basically adaptation and connection. Um, another skill was the ability to fail, right? Because you're going to make mistakes, especially when you try to learn a new country, its culture, or a new language. Um, and the third thing was sense of humor. Like, can you laugh at your mistakes? <laughs> so those are the, those are the three skills that kind of helped me and then <clears throat> I brought that to my career which was getting people to understand different ways of thinking in a way that I didn't judge or shame them. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of that's kind of how I find it found hey this is a job and this is what I do and it came natural to me and I was lucky but I didn't know that for many mm -hmm. years, right? I didn't know that growing up like I want to be a cross-cultural, you know, <laughs> consultant. That's because there's no track for that. So that's a little bit um, yeah. about me and happy to answer anything else and talk about anything else that you think will be of value. I love that. So I didn't know we were both from Massachusetts. Okay. Tell me more. Worcester is my hometown. Oh, yes. You're from Worcester. So I'm I love the Centrum because that was my first concert. Yes. The Centrum. Yep, that's right. I went to the circus there when I was three and my high school job was at the, the outlet mall there. So yeah, that's that's my hometown right. too. Well, I, I wouldn't believe you because your accent's definitely not Worcester. <laughs> well, the funny thing is very much like you, I didn't really grow up there. I would come back because I had family and I didn't move around the world like you, but I moved around the country, lived on okay. both coasts, lived in the middle of the country. And so I got to experience a little bit of what you did of having to learn to adapt because even yeah. in different parts of the country, the culture is very different and people, they live differently. They think differently. They act differently. And uh, I've actually always seen that as a benefit to me growing up that I sure. was able to experience so many different places and people, but we always came home to New England, Massachusetts was always home in between. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. And every time I hear Michael, it reminds me of my childhood and my sister's childhood because we had a very similar path in life and the, the same type of countries that we ended up in like Japan and what well, we did, we went from Latin America to Italy. So it was like kind of the other way around. Um, and it reminds me of, of what we used to do either for my parents, helping them understand and being there as a second listener into like very important work meetings. It's super funny to think about it now and be yeah. like, yeah, we were 15 year olds listening in on like a contract writing meeting to make sure that daddy understood exactly what the big guys were telling him or how to understand how to be funny in Italian, right? And what they think it's funny when you're 15 years old and Argentinian guys are completely different. So 
Yeah, I'm sure you have some fun stories about that, Michael. Do you have any you can share with us or anything that that people always relate to in a certain way? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's all there's a lot of um stories that people face and they kind of encounter when they cross cultures. Oh yeah. Um whether they're domestic to Beth Point or yeah. um international and um a lot of them could be just mistakes we make. Um, assumptions we make um, when our intentions are misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the that's the bigger thing um, where you, what you can learn from those kind of stories. Of course, there's tons of funny ones, but I think more to like what can you draw from those? Because mm -hmm. um, sometimes they could be seen as embarrassing. But but what I found, you know, from from having those experiences is one of the main reasons that we tend to you know not connect with people. Or have people not connect with us, regardless of their background, right? When we when we have different backgrounds, the chances of misconnections I find are higher. But we can have misconnections with people mm -hmm. from our same hometown, right? And and I and I what I found is there's always a lot of reasons, but one core reason is just uh, a misinterpretation or not knowing intentions, right? That's really the key. And I think when you when you add the cultural element to it, the different backgrounds there's a greater chance I'm going to misinterpret your intentions because you just might have different ways of doing things. Right. Right. Um, but, but, but the biggest thing I find is that when you misinterpret my intentions, um, it's because you're telling yourself a story about my intentions. Right. And you're going to tell yes. yourself that story. Um, especially if I don't tell you what my intentions are. Mm -hmm. So I, so one of the things I've always kind of learned is, um, when your mis when your intentions are misinterpreted, um, and and assume they will be, right? Mm -hmm. Assume your intentions will be will be uh, misinterpreted. Get clear as to what they are, and share them in a way that can be understood. Yes, um, I love that one. Of my favorite things I've learned from Brené Brown is the story I'm telling myself is, and, sure. and how unaware we are of the, the stories that are constantly going through our head, the intentions that we are applying to people that may not be accurate. And uh, yeah. our imaginations go wild far more than we think. They do. They do. And, and we're pretty clear about them, especially when we're working with customers from various backgrounds or colleagues. Um, like they're those people, right? We hear that a lot. Those people, customers from mm -hmm. this area, they're rude, right? They're aggressive. They're this. And, and we're so quick to, to judge everybody, you know, we're all guilty of it. And it's interesting when we, when, when I look at judgments, um, cause I'm guilty of them too. I'm human. Right. So it's almost like to be human is to judge. Um, there's, there are very few observations we make in a day, in a normal day. Right. We tend to make very few observations, little to none. Instead, we, we're going to judge. And when something's beautiful, it's beautiful, but guess what? That's still a judgment. Right. All that stuff. So, so it's really interesting to me, like looking at, uh, try, here's an exercise for, for, if you're listening, try to spend, I'm just going to give you the challenge of one minute. Okay. And the next time you're out and about in public, spend one minute and see how, see if you're able to not make any judgments in that one minute. <laughs> Go ahead. Try it. Um, it's really, really hard. That's hard. Yeah. Just to observe and, uh, observe, just to observe. And absorb. Yeah. And not wow. judge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I, I um, can see it already in like my four and three year old. And it's funny because they don't keep it to themselves. 
And then they look at me and they're like, wow, that yeah. lady has boy hair. And I'm like, well, yeah. she just has short hair. She likes short hair. Yeah. Maybe that's what totally. she likes to do. And it's so funny because they just say everything that comes to their mind, they don't think about yeah. It could hurt someone's yes. feelings. Um, it's more pure. It's more pure, yeah. but, it, but it's seeing through those filters. So it's great because you really see the filters. Mm -hmm. um, over the pandemic, you know, if I, I haven't had to get dressed up too often. So if I wear a lot of t-shirts <laughs> and then if I wear the collared shirt, well, I'm wearing a collared shirt right now to your viewers, my daughter would be like, Daddy, why are you all dressed up? You know, <laughs> I'm like, and that whole thing, I'm like, I'm wearing shorts underneath on the bottom here, but shirt on top. Like, so <laughs> yeah. the, it's all relative to what's dressed up. Why are you so fancy? I know, um, but yeah, Corey, like, to your point, your little you kids. Going? And I'm like, I'm not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. I'm working from the yeah. computer. <laughs> like, Daddy, your hair looks funny. Like there's no filter, right? So it's sweet. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, and we put our filters on, but, mm -hmm. but more importantly, that idea of we're conditioned to judge. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. it's really hard to not, to not, to not judge. And I think that's another thing, like when you're, for me, when I was going from place to place, your judgments can educate you a lot, mm -hmm. especially when you cross or working with people who might not be from where you are or sound like you do, um, listen to your judgments because they're, they'll tell you something about the way you see the world. And they usually also inform you that that's not the only way to see it. Yeah. It's so hard right. for people that have lived and seen only one way of life to understand how different things can be and to me sure. it's, it's, it blows my mind because I've always had to like you said adapt and figure out how to live life a different way that's not the mm -hmm. way that I did it at home because then I would walk out the door and it was different and um, we yeah. had one of our, our first guests was Molly Elkman and she was talking about how she wants to expose her family and her kids to very different people, very different experiences. While living, they live in Philadelphia, and she was like, it's easy here, you see things differently than what you live at home every single day, but do you have any advice or anything you can tell to people that want to do that and, and find and learn from different people when they don't have the chance to be like, well, I'm going to live in Colombia when I'm like five years old with my kids. What can you say to people yeah. like that? Definitely. I mean, I think it's easy. Sometimes we think it's easier if you're going to go live in, in a mm -hmm. different country or even a different state, right? There's going to be differences, but can you manufacture those differences? Can you create and cultivate those experiences um, difference? And yeah, the answer is yeah, right? Very easily. I think there, there's a lot of different ways from, you know, cooking a different food to bringing in a different food if you have the, the, the means for that. Um, I also just think you can pull from the news, Mm -hmm. as to different ways that different people do stuff and then talk about that as a family or show pictures, right? Show pictures of seeing the same thing in a different way. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's the one way to really look at it. And I'd find as from a parental perspective, if the parent can have the same new experience that the kid's having, it's much better because mm -hmm. too often and too often with parents, we tend to be the teachers and children when they can feel that you're the student essentially at the same time there's there's a shared experience that's given um so typically like for example if i was like oh you know animals sound different in different countries and the dog sounds different in different countries <laughs> yeah. if i find that out and i say hey kids look at what do you think the dog sounds is versus going like hey i i, I there's this is a thing about how dogs sound i've never seen it before let's all watch it together for the first time <laughs> um that's that tends to be good but that's what i would say i'd say that's that's really an interesting thing or personal stories yeah. uh, of that but but again if the child themselves 
can experience it in real time versus being told it, right. it's a much better thing from my experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. that. It's, it's funny because I, at the beginning of the pandemic, I feel like I really judged TikTok. And nowadays it's become like a, a big part of my life because I love learning from different people from TikTok and things that I would have never thought about. There's this um, model girl that married a Japanese man and they live in Japan and she talks every single day about the different things and the things she didn't expect and how how it is for her to go shopping in Japan and how it is for her to be a white model in Japan and the different things people expect from her and there's so mm. much that you can learn even if you don't have kids and you just want to learn yourself and I think the yeah. internet is it's amazing I think about my great-grandparents when they moved from Spain or Italy to go to Argentina and they had literally no idea what to expect right they were on those boats and they're like well we're going hopefully make money and have some land and I think we're just so blessed now to have the opportunity to not even be present in a different country but still learn so much from people that are there or that have the knowledge um, so I mm -hmm. love those free resources yeah. you can use to do that for sure great yeah <laughs> And of course, books I have to throw in. That's yeah. one of my favorite ways to learn about different backgrounds and um, different experiences that I don't have the resources to access. I have a library card. And uh, nowadays that looks more like a Kindle checkout of those books. But I think for kids and for adults, it's another great resource to, to learn about things that are different from our own experience. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> Yeah. You know, Corey, one of the things that you've taught me about getting to understand people is cultivating curiosity. And I wondered, uh, Michael, when you were talking about passing judgment and learning to observe, really, what are some ways that we can cultivate curiosity? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're, I was, I was, I've been doing a series of uh, workshops for um, people in the home building industry, um, recently we're about, um, I think after we're, after we're done, it'll probably be about a thousand people and about 30 workshops. And it's for every discipline, um, from sales to OSCs to uh, customer care and construction. And one of the things we're talking about is working with customers and colleagues from all backgrounds, right? Not just one background, but for all backgrounds, right? Because all those skills are, are very relevant um, regardless whether it's one specific country or culture or someone who looks and sounds like you. Um, and within curiosity, we were talking about the majority and minority experience, right? And I feel like throughout most days, you'll float between majority and minority groups, depending on where you are, who you're talking to. So sometimes you'll be the majority just by the way you look and sound. Other times you'll be the minority. And it can just be also what you're wearing, whether you're part of a company or outside the company, all those kind of things. And I was talking about the minority experience and how it can be quite lonely, right? And quite isolated. And one of the reasons is, is people aren't curious about you, right? Um, because they either don't know you or you're different or they can't understand you or think they can't understand you. So we don't tend to ask too many questions to get curious. But one of the things we were talking about was it's always interesting to know where people are from. Right. And, and I always coach people, don't ask people where they're from 
because they might misinterpret that as you trying to say, hey, you don't sound or look like me, whether that's your intention or not. So we always say, hey, ask people, hey, where's your family from originally? Because like if I ask Corey where she's from, she might say Oklahoma, depending on the day or, or wherever you're living at the moment. Um, but if I ask her where her family's originally from, she might say Argentina or Italy, whatever, right? So they're very different answers. And, and we say, let's say you know nothing about the country they're from, nothing, right? Um, what's a good next question? Because typically if I say, hey, where's your family originally from? And Corey's like, actually I'm from Argentina. I'm like, oh, I know someone from Argentina. Do you know Lionel Messi? You know, whatever the reason, or some random person. And they're gonna say, like, no, of course she doesn't know that person because there's millions of people in Argentina and how, you know, anyway. Mm -hmm. Or, oh yeah, we tend to ask a question and make it about ourselves. Oh, Argentina, I know the soccer team. Oh, Argentina, red wine. Oh, oh Argentina, meat, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But once I do that, I make that about myself. And so we try to coach people to make it about the other person. And if you know nothing about their country or them, their background, and you find out where they're from, a great question in my mind is, oh, Corey, tell me, what was it like for your family to grow up there? curiosity. Oh, hey, Corey, I'm a big fan of food. What are some of like amazing dishes that you like that are Argentinian? And then I make it about her, which is true. I'm curious. But more importantly, I am inquiring into her experience, which nobody does. Not Corey in general, but just in general. <laughs> no one asks about the minority person. And so mm -hmm. by you giving them voice and letting them hear it, not only does it allow them to share, but it, it gives you a chance to be curious and connect. So that, that's my long answer as to where curiosity comes in. I love that. I think your your point, uh, I know I am guilty all the time of making it about myself. And, and my goal is trying to find connection. But I think that more authentic connection is going to come when they understand that I'm interested in them yeah. and learning about them and their experience. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So asking those questions that are open and then listening to the answers, right? Um, that's what you should be my friend. That's what I'm in service of, right? Listening to what, tell me about you. Cause no one's really asking about you. Yeah. And if you spend the whole day in a minority experience with nobody asking about you, except that one person, then they'll remember you. Yeah. A hundred percent all the way. I've never remember the people that tell me, Oh, nice Argentina. And then they don't know anything or they assume I like spicy food, which we don't like spicy food in Argentina. Well, yeah. some people do. I can't say we all don't. Of course you can. <laughs> but, 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 but even but, yeah. so, like if they, if they don't, our, our default thing, I'm not blaming people or, or yeah. judging them, but our default is if I don't know Argentina, I don't know what to ask. Yeah. Like what I'm wondering normally, if she's like Argentina, I'm like, oh, no way, Buenos Aires. I went there with my family. Again, mm -hmm. something I know and I make it about myself, which is totally mm -hmm. natural and normal. Mm -hmm. But I encourage people listening, if you find out something about somebody and you know nothing about that topic, there's still great questions you can ask. Just be the listener. Yeah. Let them inform you. What was it like growing up there? Oh, I don't really know anything about Argentina. What, what are some good foods, you know? Mm -hmm. Pick out something you're interested in. If you like music, if you like food, if you like sport, interview them. Mm -hmm. Ask them about that, but don't include yourself in the interview, if you will. Yeah. One time I had someone approach me and tell me that they love getting to know people and knowing where they're from because he traveled a lot around the world. And he had encountered that every time he asked someone, oh, where are you from? 
and he thought they were a foreigner that they would shut down and just kind of not all just be like oh i'm from idaho like don't talk yeah. to me anymore yeah. And uh, as an immigrant, my first response was, well, maybe they were feeling judged or maybe they didn't. They thought that you were just like as a, as a way of saying, where are you from? Like, you don't belong here, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. my advice for him, which I don't know if it was right or not, but the way that I, I always open up to people is when they tell me, oh, my gosh, your accent is so different. Where are you from? And to me, that always comes to me as, they can't figure out where I'm from and they're honestly curious because it didn't come out the wrong way. Um, so I, I gave him that advice. I was like, well, why don't you open up with like, I traveled around a lot and I can't put where your accent is from. Where are you from? Or like, what's so interesting about Iran? Cause he was like, I love, I traveled around the middle East a lot and I love it. And I want to get to know people and eat their food. And I was like, Oh, that's so fun. But like maybe you approach it differently. Would you say that's a good yeah. way to go around that? I mean, I'm sure yeah, I mean, a professional, better political. No, I think that I think it makes sense. Like if if you show the reasons why you're interested in the background, it, it'll mm -hmm. let them tell themselves less of a story mm -hmm. that might not be true. Um, so I, I think that's important. Um, I also think that like if you're interested in people's names and like, oh, interesting, you know, I, I haven't heard your, your name. What's the, what's the background of that? Where's, where's your family originally from? So again, the origin story, inquiring into the origin story tends to be less offensive. Mm -hmm. And you're right, very often if I say where you're from, then people might be concerned that you're you're gonna be biased against them, right? Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of OSCs and, and new home sales folks will share the question as to like, oh, are you from the area? Which, which again, will tell them if the person's from that area, which is okay uh, sometimes, but I'm again, what's the reason for asking it, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's looking for some type of connection. And I'd say, don't always strive for the commonality for connection. Be mm -hmm. bigger than that, yeah. right? Be better than that in that you can find connections with people when you have nothing in common at all. Like I you don't even that. know where they're from and you can totally find connections just by asking questions and listening. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you don't, to me, it doesn't, feel like they're dumb when they don't know anything about Argentina because I think people are like well I don't want to say anything wrong about your country or assume anything but the best yeah. thing to do when you're curiously and and just genuinely curious in a good way is to ask it's just so nice for me to tell you yeah. about my family or where I'm from or yeah. what's important to someone that's looking for a home that has an Argentinian background and why we want that big patio in the backyard to make asado every weekend and share with our family you know like it it's yeah. it, i get light i light up when i talk about my country because it makes me happy and i know there's people <laughs> that it's not the same experience but when you see that that's taking you in a positive way you're going to connect better yeah. with them um yeah and it, you don't have i think to that's that's accurate yeah no and again our default is to find commonalities that's mm -hmm. what small talks for that's where breaking the ice is for um, and there's nothing wrong with it. I would just say expand the horizons on that because that will always be available to you. Um, but but sometimes um, what we found during the pandemic was if I'm selling to you via Zoom, right, breaking the ice didn't really work anymore mm -hmm. because I'd be looking around your office like I'm looking up for your viewers right now. I'm sitting here and I have a I have a window in my background and Beth does as well. And like if I didn't know Beth and I was trying to connect with her online i was like hey beth it's good to meet with you oh my god when, do you have windows so do i look at me oh Corey, are you sitting in a chair no way so am i look right and i kind of joke that way but it felt it feels so inauthentic mm -hmm. sometimes 
when we're searching for those connections. Um, and so I always like try to give people other tools to connect with people without finding some commonality. But that's just our default. That's how we've been programmed and there's nothing wrong with it, but recognizing that there are other ways, yeah. especially when you're connecting with people whom you might literally have nothing in common. I have a question. And so question. all your sources of questions. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Do you think it's a very American born and raised thing to try to find commonality with other people? Because I have, I feel like I'm not that way. And my parents and everyone else I talk to from other countries don't try to find anything in common with you to make a relationship. It's more like it's different. So I don't know if that, like, if Americans are so in depth into like, the ways of getting to know people you know i think american things are yeah. very like standardized so it's not a a thing that people just are raised to do like get to know yeah i don't know i don't know it's i, I i'm not i couldn't i couldn't concretize mm -hmm. it one way or the other but all i can share with you is having done like sales workshops mm -hmm. how to sell in many many different countries mm -hmm. um this many many countries throughout latin america and europe um even in the middle east from my from my experience again this is my, only my point of view um it, breaking the ice is a very common thing um we've asked the question of do you have the concept of breaking the ice and almost every country and culture has it and it's literally translated as breaking the ice <laughs> for the most part for 90 percent, other ones have a different term but it's the same thing i'm like how do you do it I, why do you do it and how do you do it? And I would say the great majority of salespeople and, and other people that we, we train and do development for do it to find some common connection. So I don't know if it's an, I don't wouldn't say it's an only American thing. I think how people do it might differ, Corey, but, mm -hmm. but people try to find something either they look for something in the office and know, oh, you support that sports team. So do I. Oh, you have horseback riding. I love horseback riding. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a natural thing. Um, but I do find that sometimes it can be used um, with the with the ulterior motive of trying to make a sale, and so mm -hmm. I try to like limit that in my practice mm -hmm. when I can. Now, if I if you do follow the Celtics and you're from Boston, and guess what? So am I. I'm a big fan. We're gonna talk about it if you want to. <laughs> but if I see a if Betts is like has a Boston logo on it. Because I'm a sports fan, my natural tendency, which would be incorrect, by the way, would be like, no way, Beth Boston, you like the Red Sox? And she might be like, nope, don't follow baseball, right? <laughs> or she might love them, right? I, I, had, I had a colleague, I've worked on a lot of work in Italy, Corey, um, mm -hmm. as you know, and I had a colleague who's like, who met me years ago, and I've worked with her a lot, and uh, she's great. And she was like, Michael, um, I'm Italian. I'm sorry, I'm doing the accent. I'm Italian, <laughs> but I'm not Italian because I don't like wine and I don't like soccer, right? And I was like, I love you, you're amazing, right? But she was just like, don't get it twisted because everyone's going to assume that you're yeah. Italian. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, but if you tell me you don't like pasta, then you're definitely not Italian, right? <laughs> Those are the three things, no, I'm just kidding. But, but she was very clear about it. So, so we also make that assumption, yeah. But I, I wouldn't just, I would disagree a little bit there, Corey, just saying yeah. everyone is in search of connection, how they, how they approach it might differ. Yeah, no, I, after you explained it, it made perfect sense because in Argentina, you connect with your soccer teams or, or whatever yeah. you follow, you went to the same school. It's just, I've never had sales training in a different country, so it makes perfect sense now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, um, normally um, at the end of every episode, Miss Beth here always asks a really special question, so she's going to okay. hit you with it. Let's do it. Okay, and I'm going to throw right. in a bonus one. Oh, so the yeah. bonus All question right. is, what was that first concert at the Centrum? 
Oh, yes. It's a great question, by the way. I always ask that for team building because you'll remember what people's first concerts are, but you might forget their names. Um, so that first concert in the Worcester Centrum was the, I'm going to date myself here, the Van Halen 5150 oh, tour with, awesome. with uh, Sammy Hagar as the singer. And, and, I'll, and I'll add a little bit of context. I was wearing a three-quarter you know, length, uh, <laughs> like softball Budweiser jersey. I was 13 <laughs> and, and I had an ear cuff with like a morning star hanging from it. So watch oh, out. That's awesome. I Full love on it. stranger things, man. All right. Yeah. Okay. What's the other question? Love it. Okay. The other is what is your guilty pleasure? Mm, guilty pleasure. Let's see. So with that question, right, what is your guilty pleasure? That's something that you do that you know is bad for you. No, it's like just something you do to treat yourself, to indulge yourself. That's kind of fun that, you know, it could be bad for you. Like we've had some people who say reality TV, I know spending a lot of time <laughs> or it could be embarrassing or like, yeah, you know, maybe yeah. it's that you still really secretly want an ear cup with a little morning star <laughs> or, hanging or, around. Or I still wear it. You, you still, still wear it, but nobody's paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Let's see. That's a good one. Let's see. What's my guilty pleasure? Oh, there's probably a few of them. Um, I don't know if I feel guilty about them anymore because I've kind of like learned to like own myself and own what I like. But um, but I definitely uh, find myself uh, probably more regularly than I'd like uh, going to the donut shop. Oh, yeah. Oh, New England has so much better donuts than most parts of the country. They do. I'm in San Francisco these days, but but yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably, that's probably one, one of them. And then, um, yeah, that's yeah. probably Okay. It. Favorite flavor. <laughs> What's your go-to flavor? I'm pretty, I'm pretty bored there. I probably just honestly go with the old fashioned. Okay. You know, yeah. Which is not a lot of yeah. stuff on top. Just, I like the donut taste, not so much mm-hmm. all the sugar and the stuff cake, on top. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The cake. Yeah. I'm the cake, not the yeah. frosting guy. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, if you ever get down to the San Diego area, the best donuts I've had in the country are in a town called Escondido. And I know Escondido. Most... Okay, cool. What's the name? Yeah, What's the name of the place? it's called Peterson's. All right. Peterson's Donuts. We'll check it's it out. open 24-7, and oh. you, you don't go in. The, their glass cases all around the outside, and you shop from the outside. And, oh, my mom's over here <laughs> nice. shaking her head at me. They're not open all the time anymore. Not 24-7, <laughs> but you have to go. Next time you're near Escondido, you go to Peterson's. I will. I'll do it. Thank you for the tip. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, yeah. thank you thanks for your for making, time. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for um, kind of uh, forcing my guilty pleasure on me when I'm in San Diego. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's a good one. I know. That's probably thank my you. top three. Awesome. Nice. Well, thank you both for for including me. Um, great talking with you, and uh, wish you guys continued success with this and your jobs. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. You can keep up with us on social media at Tough as Nails Pod on both Instagram and Facebook. We will see you next time.